Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com. We're here to talk you through round eight. We've had a late scratching. Unfortunately, my regular co-pilot, Kenny Scott, is out of the starting side this week, but it's okay because joining us for the second time ever and the first time this year is Channel 9 and Today FM host, Erin Mullen. Hey, hey, great to be here and thank you. Goodness, the worst of the two Kennys is gone. If it had been you, it would have been absolutely horrific. But you know what? We've still, I think the two strong links are still here. So thank goodness for that. Take that, Kenny. Now, unfortunately for Kenny, he's uh, he's not here to talk about his Tigers getting a, a glorious oh. win. He'd be doing little uh, cartwheels if he was here, uh, Kenny, but we'll have to talk about it without him. 16 points to eight. Um, Michael Maguire, uh, we were just talking about off air, a huge win for him after the week that the Tigers have had and just, I guess, a really disciplined uh, 80 minutes, Aaron. Absolutely. And I think discipline has been the key for them. We know they've got a lot of talent. We know that they, they've got ability. You look at their squad on paper and there is a fair amount of talent there, but for whatever reason, they've struggled immensely, not just this year, but over the past few years. But I was really, really happy, particularly for Michael Maguire and for the rest of the team. I, I hosted the Sunday footy show from out at Wynn Stadium earlier today and I actually waited around. I felt a little bit like a groupie, to be honest, mm. just outside the gate there for Michael Maguire to arrive. I'm, I'm very fond of him. He's a great bloke and I just wanted to to basically give him a hug, say hello and wish him good luck in person because he's been under immense pressure. He's been, you know, the headline all week. And I think sometimes that that we're all guilty of it in the game. We, we talk about coaches' futures and their security and their positions without sometimes realising the enormity of it and that this is their job, that there are families involved. It's such a brutal industry. So I'm immensely happy for him. He did say to me, you know what, we get a, a win, we get a couple of wins and, and the pressure's off and that's exactly right. And, and that's what they did today under immense pressure when it really mattered against the Dragons team that was under a fair bit of pressure themselves coming off a few yeah. losses as well. They had their captain back in Hunt, uh, so they would have backed themselves, rightly so. Anthony Griffin's a great coach. He, he's really very quickly turned that club around. So this is a big win for them. This is a big confidence-boosting win for the Tigers. And, you know, will it launch a season? I hope so. I hope so for all of them. So it was great to watch. And, and genuinely, I think, you know, unless you you really dislike them for a particular reason. I think most people would be very happy for that club. Yeah, I didn't really see anything today that that doesn't look like something they could produce every week. It was all just sort of effort and commitment and heart. There was no sort of huge flashy plays. They created enough pressure to, to cross a few times. And then obviously the debutant, Zach Sini, we love seeing stories mm. like this in rugby league, about 4 million of his mates in the corner at Wollongong <laughs> cheering on his every touch. He was denied by the um, the bunker, found a little knock on in the lead up to what we thought was his first try, but uh, couldn't be stopped. He was over a few minutes later and all his mates yep. were uh, in raptures. Oh, I love it. And I think that's what make, makes rugby league and sport in general so wonderful. And they're the stories that I, I've always been attracted to as a, a reporter and a host is, is that that family side, the friendship side, the social side, the real human side of our players and just how hard it is to get a start to play one game of rugby league is just phenomenal. And I think sometimes we overlook that because we're so blessed by the amount of talent that we've got in rugby league that so many of our players achieve amazing things and play so many games. But to make your debut is wonderful and to see all the people that have obviously played such a, a key part in, in his journey to this stage be there in person and be able to celebrate so effusively with him is just wonderful. It was great to watch and he's a superstar. What a talent he is and I can't wait to see him, you know, continue to grow. Well, yeah, other than the try, he was legitimately very, very good for 80 minutes, defusing kicks and his carries dangerous with his runs. So I think we'll see a lot more of Zach Sini in first grade. Just the uh, effort. And yeah. he didn't seem, you know, kind of, 
in awe or, or kind of intimidated yeah. by the opposition or anything that you might expect a kid on debut. He, he just... He just looked, he had a maturity about him that was, you know, similar to the maturity that we've seen from a player like Sam Walker. And I know we'll get into that certain, but someone that can be comfortable in first grade straight away, that's not easy to do. And uh, before we move on, we do have to talk about the Dragons uh, a little bit. Starting to, to slide just a touch after a really strong start to the season. Uh, Zach Lomax off with a suspected broken thumb really early, forced a backline reshuffle. That was Cody Ramsey late as well with a look like a, a rib injury. Um, Brent Hunt, like you mentioned at the top, was was back, but it wasn't able to, to rekindle their attack. They're in just a little bit of a rut at the moment. They are indeed, and you're right. I mean, there were a couple of trials. I ran into Anthony Griffin actually at the airport after. I think it was the second trial they had where they got absolutely annihilated and his face was just almost, oh, Lord, have mercy. But, you know, I thought, oh, God, if this is an indication of what's to come this year, I feel sorry for them already. But they came out, and you're right, they, they have, they've had some really good strong performances and they, they'd strung a few really good games together. But, yeah, it, it doesn't look great and, and injuries certainly don't help. But, you know, heading into this, you know, the likes of Tarek Sims, Paul Gallen actually said in our Sunday footy show this morning that he's never seen Tarek Sims play better. You know, but you need everyone to play at their best consistently and that's not what they're doing. And, you know, Ben Hunt can't do it all on his own and, and that was very apparent today. Lomax is a huge part of what they do. Without him, it's going to be incredibly tough. So, yeah, it's tough for Dragons fans. They are fairly long-time suffering. You know, they, they did have a premiership, well... A lot sooner than some of us Raiders fans and other fans <laughs> about to wait. But still, it's it's been tough for them. But I, I, I certainly wouldn't write them off yet. I, I certainly wouldn't think that they were cooked as such. I think Griffin's too good a coach for that. But, yeah, you're right. They need to find something and find it fairly quickly. Absolutely. The earlier Sunday game, the Warriors 24-20 over the Cowboys up there at Gosford. I thought the Cowboys were going to stage another second-half comeback. They were, they were coming mm. for the Warriors for a while there. But, um, yeah, the... Their adopted home ground of Gosford's been good to them. And uh, that young kid, Reese Walsh, just uh, keeps on sort of getting better with almost every touch at the moment. Oh, he's incredible, isn't it? I actually listened to this game on the radio and it, it, it's, I, I used to hate having to just rely on radio, but I've actually really started to enjoy that. I was driving back from Wollongong this morning and listened to the call. And I tell you what, it sounded like they were in New Zealand. The support, I think there was only a couple of thousand people there at the Central Coast, but the support for the Warriors was just incredible on paper. You know, I would have tipped the Cowboys almost every day of the week. Jason Tamalolo back is huge for them. Val Holmes is playing some, you know, some fantastic football, almost akin to that of what we saw at the Sharks when it was really at his peak. But the Warriors, just too good. You know, they, those first few tries were just fantastic. They threw the ball around, no fear, no favour. They were just brilliant. So, yeah, they deserve that win, absolutely. And, and that, you know, that'll put them in good stead. They've been a little bit inconsistent, but... They've certainly got the talent. They've certainly got the roster. I think when they get the likes of an Adam Fennell Blake back as well, they'll be even stronger. I get a little bit wistful thinking about Roger Tuovasashek going to rugby oh, next year. I know. What is he, 27 now? Don't go, Roger. He's just he's having close to a career best year through through eight weeks. Seriously. He's absolutely superb. Who would want to go and do contested scrums <laughs> and line outs? Like, what is he talking? I mean, Channel 9 have the rights to the union now, so it's a wonderful game and we love it dearly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I know what you mean. It's it's going to be such a huge loss. Unfortunately, yeah. so many clubs that have just been absolutely crippled by injury at the moment, but it gives others an opportunity. And so when he goes to Rugby Union, there'll be another couple coming through that will be brilliant and we'll get to see them in action. That's the beauty of our game. We have a fair bit of depth in the talent, don't we? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you talk about the injuries. Obviously, Chanel Harris-Tavita, who's probably the reason that Reese Walsh is mm. going to go so early for Noah Blake, who you already mentioned, a whole host of outside backs, Peter Hiku, uh, Fusatur, all these guys out. So to to get a couple of wins, I think they're in seventh on the on the ladder after eight rounds, despite this wave of injuries. So it's um you know it's a pretty impressive performance overall. And that's where your confidence comes from, doesn't it? I mean, you know, when, when you're at full strength and, you know, you've, you've got your, your full superstar roster there, then, you know, you win and it's great. But the real confidence comes from when you win without a lot of your best players. And that's when you, that's what you build a season off. Those kind of wins where you're down and out, you look at the Roosters and, and it, we'll get to that shortly. But what they've managed to do on, on occasion without, five or six of their best players, including the New South Wales origin captain, including, you know, both of their captains and Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner, so many others. When you win, when you're down and out, that's what you can build a season on. And I think the Warriors will take a lot of confidence out of that. We've touched on the Roosters a couple of times, and that's the next game up, the third Saturday game. 38 points to four. Uh, the Roosters over the Knights up there in the Hunter, a really impressive win, some sensational performances, but really the, uh, the headline news coming out of it, unfortunately, two yeah. shocking injuries, a huge blow for Lindsay Collins, who's out for the season, but he'll be back uh, bigger and better next year. But um, Brett Morris, I, I felt like crying watching this uh, uh, in tears in the sheds afterwards, knowing that his career was, was probably over. My mum sent me a message saying she was in tears watching that vision and, you know, I've watched it I reckon probably 10 times since and it is just so heartbreaking and, you know, you say heartbreaking and I think about, you know, we had Anzac Day a couple of weeks ago and and we always make the point that, yes, this is rugby league, this is a game, there are other things in life that really are genuinely heartbreaking and, and all that kind of thing. But this is, and this does evoke emotion. These players invest their heart and their soul in this. He's one of the nicest blokes in rugby league. He's made the most incredible contribution over so many years, as has his brother, as did his dad. And to see someone who has given the game so, so much potentially have their career ended in this fashion is heartbreaking. And and to see what it means to him is so heartbreaking. And, you know, you, you listen to the coverage of that game and Greg Alexander talking about the fact that, you know, he could still play State of Origin. Most players, as they get older, you know, they might be able to still stay competitive, but they're certainly not at the top of their game. He is at the top of his game now at 34 years old. So it is really, really sad that there was a little bit of talk potentially I think the NRL physio actually went online and said that, you know, that there's, there's options that he might not be able, have to have surgery and then he might come back in four months. But I think at the age that he's at, he's got a family, he's achieved everything yeah. possible in the game. He's won premierships, state of origins, he's, you know, played for Australia. Does he have the motivation to go through what would be minimum 12 months of really difficult rehab? I suspect probably not. We can hope for the best, but I think we all probably accept that we've maybe seen the last of, of Brett Morris, which is incredibly, incredibly sad. And, and Trent Robinson made the point after the match that no one, you know, really gets a fairy tale finish to get a fairy tale finish is so bloody rare in our game. It's cruel. It really is cruel. And yes, they get paid well. And yes, you know, they, they make a great living and they do what they love, but that doesn't detract from how heartbreaking yeah. it would be that all over his face he's not an emotional person by nature he, he you know I've never seen him emotional and there's been lots of highs and lows so this really cut deep yeah um, everything you say is correct like what Robinson said about not getting the fairy tale farewell but he did get a fairy tale in terms of his career you know the fourth highest try score of all time grand final winner tests and oranges uh, origin matches it's just a, a phenomenal phenomenal career and something else you touched on there that I have to to back up is they're just such a lovely family to deal with mm. as long as I've been doing this so I, you know you do 
you know, whether it's dragons, dogs, roosters, whichever club they're at, you always ask for the, the Morris boys at an all in because they're just so lovely, you know, just to, as blokes to, to talk to. Um, yeah, just a, a huge blow for the game. Like you said, with the, you know, the physio, I don't, I don't think, you know, coming back in a couple of months in a sport with so much lateral movement is going to be feasible. And then you're talking about and a nine-month recovery and playing on In other sports, potentially you can look at doing that in other sports where, where it's not, you know, rugby league and not the lateral movement, not the high impact. But I think rugby league is probably donuts of a chance of, of taking that option. Yeah. But I mean, if anyone could, you know, they're incredibly resilient. But unfortunately, yeah, I think we may have seen the end of him. But what a legacy, what a career. And, and to go out at the top of your game, to go out without anyone questioning whether you've still got it, without anyone questioning whether you can still cope with that level, without anyone questioning whether you can keep up with the blokes who are 20, 22 years old, is a pretty phenomenal thing. Heartbreaking but phenomenal that he goes out still as one of the best wingers in our game. And as mm. Peter Sterling said this morning on the Sunday Footy Show, as one of the, the greatest wingers our game has ever seen. Well, well, for me, no question, he's the greatest winger of the modern era. You've had a season here or there where a Vadavai or a Radraja or someone mm. might be ahead of him, but across a 15-plus year career to be the oh. best winger or two in the comp every single year is just a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. In a position where pace is your your key skill and quality yeah. to still be able to do that at 34 is incredible is That's and it, it's testament and people talk about it all the time when it comes to those two brothers the twins the professionalism they show not just on the rugby league field but it's what they do at training what they do with their diets what they do at home what they do on holidays when other players might have a few drinks and relax it's it's what they do year in year out 24 7 12 months of the year that enables them to play the way they do at their age and that should be commended and i tell you what if this is the end then he deserves you know a bloody fair few beers and a, yeah. and a, and a lovely break and, and some lovely time with his family, which I'm mm. sure he'll get. I spoke to Jared Warrior Hargreaves during the week um, and he, I was asking him about his sort of managing a bit of a shoulder complaint and I said, sort of, how do you get yourself up, you know, week to week when it's so tough? And he says, I just look at the Morris boys and their professionalism mm-hmm. and their resilience and their, you know, their prehab and their rehab and how much work they put in and then what excuse do I have not to get myself right? And I thought that oh, ended up being wow. a little prescient, uh, prescient with what happened with, with Brett, obviously, on the weekend, but it's a huge wrap to the, the work that they do. It's a do. great point you make. And the Roosters don't just lose a phenomenal winger. They lose someone. And you watch him on the field and the amount of talk he has, the amount of younger players that look up to him, they don't just lose an incredible winger. They lose someone who's almost filled the void of the Jake friends and the Boyd coordinators and the real leaders that yeah. they've got at that club. He's entered that role now. And that mm. that that can't be filled. You know, that, that's a he huge loss for the Exactly. And that, that that's, you know, it's not just what he does with the ball and, and you know, crossing for tries. It, it's everything else that he does that will be really, really sorely missed. We do have to uh, to move on. Uh, regular listeners of the podcast will know our alternate title is the Morris Twins Appreciation Podcast. So I'm not going to apologise <laughs> for spending so much time on uh, on Brett this no, week. But um, we do have to chat about not. Sam Walker quickly before we move oh. on because an 18-year-old halfback who clearly is getting bashed every week by forwards twice his size. I think the Rooster scored seven tries. He scored one. He had four try assists and he had a hand in the other two. Just unbelievable i was sitting at home watching it and i just could not believe you know the first couple of times you go wow and then almost every single thing good that happened to the roosters he was a an integral part of it was just phenomenal and and i I go back to the point i made earlier about you know someone new to the game and and not being 
overawed and not being intimidated by the arena into which he suddenly finds himself. And he is phenomenal the way he leads him around. And he's not just leading around kind of, you know, a run-of-the-mill team. It is a superstar-laden, multi-premiership winning team, one of the best in the competition over the past 10 years, the Roosters and the Melbourne Storm, the two best teams in the competition. And he's gone in there and, and he, he just looks like he's been there for a decade. It's just incredible. He is such a superstar. And, you know, I feel sorry for the other team who could have had him that lost him because that would really hurt <laughs> watching yeah. him run around the team. Mind you, they did have a bloke play on Friday night that that was very impressive in his own right. But I tell you what, it, it, you lose a player like yeah. Sam Walker and you go, what the hell were we thinking? Well, he's the second very impressive 18-year-old we've talked about on his very mm. podcast today that the uh, the Broncos <laughs> have, have let go. But um, yeah. know, just, just a quick word on him. Um, that The try assist where he uh, he got the ball, broke out of a couple of tackles and then chipped out to mm. the wing for the, the player to score, those sort of instincts, <laughs> like that's not – that's not coaching. That's just a free who just looks up and, and sees all the options in front of him and backs himself and um, takes what it, what he sees. And it's just, it's just such a, a pleasure to watch. Um, it really is. And to have the confidence to do that as well in that environment exactly. is just everything. So, no, they're onto a winner there. And Robinson said that's why they went so hard for him a couple of years ago because Robinson saw that potential in him. So, no, he, he's a star. Yeah, uh, I do. Uh, it's not in my uh, normal habits to be correcting Brad Fittler about anything, but I was watching the Sunday footy show and he was talking <laughs> about how the Roosters are managing Sam Walker and keeping him away from the media and you can't get close to him. Well, Sam Walker's done two media days this year, one of which was this week. And I sat down with him for about 15 minutes talking about his time at the club. And I have not come across a more uh, level-headed young 18-year-old uh, uh, in my time in the game. He was just really just chilled. He deals with the media as well as he deals with giant back row was running at him and I just came away really impressed <laughs> by his uh his mindset and um you know he sort of he was relishing the, the contest but more important his main message was just he wants to be at the Roosters because they allow him to play that style of footy that he's grown up playing absolutely and enjoys so it's a pleasure no to I just love that you've made my entire night someone <laughs> who, with credibility who's correct to Brad Filler who <laughs> I adore and is one of my closest friends but any opportunity I have to put him in his place I will take so I cannot wait to tell him that that he was wrong. This is this is wonderfully, wonderfully good. Thank you so much. <laughs> the other interesting thing I kind of thought when we were talking about this because the reason Freddie was saying that is that Paul Gallen said, "Hey, wait a minute. The last time I heard this amount of hype regarding a player was when Ash Taylor, you know, yeah. started to play and look at what happened with him, and he hasn't, you know, quite reached the heights that were predicted early on." But I, I think that, you know, the difference at the Roosters is that, you know, first of all, you can't control the external noise. If someone's going to play that brilliantly, people are going to write stories about him and you can minimise the amount of exposure he has. Um, but Trent Robinson is the king of this, even in that press conference. And obviously, Brett Morris had just potentially career-ending injury. And, of course, the question was Joseph Sawali, Joseph Sawali, who's apparently the next greatest thing since sliced bread, is incredibly talented, blah, blah, blah. And Trent Robinson just said, now is not the time. Mm. He did not want to talk about him in the slightest. And and Robbo handles that kind of thing, not, not having too much hype around players better than anyone. So I think Sam is in the perfect system as a very talented young player to be looked after in the best possible fashion. Mm. They've also got a bloke named James Tedesco coming back next week to take the backline <laughs> spot. So I think Suwali might have to wait a little bit longer for a yeah. debut. Sorry, who? Who? <laughs> you would have seen him play at some you, point. Yeah. Can I tell you something very quickly that happened? Yeah. You mentioned at the start that I'm from Today FM. My co-host, Ed Cavalier, who is a very funny man, also a Sydney boy. We had James Tedesco on the show about two weeks ago talking about his children's book. And I heard this actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's very funny. We always pay Dave Hughes out because he's obviously a little bit Melbourne, but he's now moved to Sydney and he's trying very hard to be Mr. Rugby League. So, you know, it, but we, we do pay him out because he, he's he's learning, but he's not fully across it. But Ed goes to the toilet, walks back, and Tedesco is standing there and Ed goes over, puts his hand out and says, Teddy, Teddy, lovely to meet you, Teddy. Uh, what's that short for? Edward? Is it Edward? And Teddy turned around and goes, uh, it's Tedesco. Uh, my first name's James. And it was so funny. So they're poor James Tedesco, best rugby league player in the world. And Ed Cavalli has no idea what his name is. So there you go, eh? Back down to earth with the sun, Teddy. No matter how big you are, you're not necessarily a big deal in every room exactly. you're walking to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, just the nights before we move on, uh, a couple of disappointing. I thought they were probably okay against Penrith, but really disappointing uh, against the Roosters. Their, their last tackle plays are, are really letting them down. They've lost uh, Blake Green, it looks like, for a bit of an injury. They mm. don't seem to have much of a plan beyond pass it to Ponga. And when Ponga's got four yep. bucks on him every carry, they don't seem to have a lot else to uh, to come up with. Matt, you've absolutely nailed And I think that's the issue. You look at you know the teams that are doing well, and yes, they've got one or two superstars but they've also got you know 11 other players who know their job and do it consistently even if it's not brilliant they do it every week and, and you look at the nights and particularly this weekend it literally felt like a just give it to Ponga and pray just give it to Ponga mm. and pray and that is never going to stand up at rugby league NRL level it just won't and yeah obviously losing Mitchell Pierce doesn't help and there's you know that there's different issues there but I thought they were really really disappointing uh, I, I don't know what they do. I don't know how they find that, 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 that excitement and that competing kind of gene. And that's what their coach spoke about after the match. He said, you know, our fans would have looked at the Roosters and, and would have wanted to see that in our players. You know, that hunger, that veracity, that enthusiasm, that, that excitement that the Roosters had in spades, despite the fact that they are injury ravaged and really struggling, whereas the Knights just, just didn't match it on any level. Yeah, very disappointing and problems for Adam O'Brien to sort out. But the uh, the second Saturday game, the Bulldogs hosting the Eels, 32-10. The Eels ran away with this one. I thought never really looked like they were challenged too much, never really to, needed to get out of uh, second gear, other than uh, Clint Gutherson, who was just having an absolute field day at the back. <laughs> he was phenomenal, and he always is. But this is the thing. It's almost like when you're so good every week and you're so consistent, which is what he bases his game on, you never get the accolades you deserve, you know. And Brad Arthur, after was asked about him, he's like, "Well, I mean, yeah, but he's our captain. That's what we expect, <laughs> you know. You kind of yeah. he just does his job, and and you know that is his role is to be that good consistently every single week. He he was just fantastic, and I think Brad Arthur he played a little bit with his forwards on the bench, and you know you're right, the doggies were just never in that game, and Arthur was you know a little bit disappointed afterwards with the performance. He said he thought they had a bit of a Darwin hangover that they were a little bit tired. Not that you'd ever use that as an excuse, but the Eels are the real deal this year. They they really are. And I know we said that last year as well, but I don't think the Bulldogs, I agree with you. I don't think they ever threatened. Uh, I just I look at Trent Barrett and that post-match press conference and I compare it to the week before where they had their breakthrough win. And the week before he said, this is the greatest game of my career as a player mm. and as a coach. And then, you know, fast forward a week and you're basically there looking depressed. It's just, it's such a brutal game, but you, you know, it was always going to take a long time for the Bulldogs. I don't think anyone would expect that they would be brilliant straight away, but you know, it's going to be a tough year for them again, I think, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I mean, what about the Eels? You talk about whether they're the real deal. I, I, I like Paul Gallen as a bit of a barometer here. He he didn't rate them all of last year, and he probably turned out yeah. to be right. But he's he's flipped his tune pretty quickly this year. I don't know if it's you know Reed Marnie's gone to a whole other level with his ball playing added on top of what he already had in terms of his defence and his running last year. I think Mitch Moses was playing a little bit injured last year with his calf. He's really at the top yeah. of his game at the moment. And then Isaiah Papali'i, a, a guy who seems oh. to be a bit out of favour at the Warriors has come in, gone from being a, a bits and pieces bench forward to one of the Eels' most important players in the matter of weeks. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? You look at buyers of the year and he's right up there. He's just an absolute superstar. I, I think the balance in that team is so good and so right. And, and they've had a few years now under their belt, particularly the players in the spine in key positions. They know each other so well. I don't know. I, I just feel like they are the real deal this year. And, and look, I thought that they were they were close to it last year. But there just seem to be moments that we're missing. I mean, Brown will be, you know, a tough loss for them, depending on on how severe his injury is up there in the forwards. But I, I genuinely think they've got the any missing pieces they had seem to have been filled now. But it's, you know, it's Mitchell Moses taking control and playing with confidence and playing consistently. And that's, you know, he's been brilliant one week, then almost missing the next. And that was always the issue, particularly last year. But this year, I, I just I have that feeling. I think they could be, and I hope they are, because they're a great club. And, and when the Eels do well, rugby league does well. And Reed, mate, he's just a he's just so so good. He just plays with so much confidence. I remember Peter Sterling talking about him a couple of years ago before he'd really reached heights, and just saying that he just sees something in him that is so good, and and that seems to have come to fruition. So, yeah, I, I think they are the real deal. But that doesn't mean you know that they'll win a premiership. There's a lot more that that comes into it than just being the real deal. And injury, as we know, is is probably the biggest thing for any club. Mm, they'll need to stay fit. They they're doing it pretty well at the moment. Nathan Brown, I don't think is going to miss too long. Wonga Blake back pretty mm. soon. One of the things they've yes. been able to do to win a comp is find a way to get past the Penrith Panthers, who twenty eight oh. points to sixteen didn't have it all their own way against the Sea Eagles out there in Bathurst, but eight and zero now and haven't really, other than maybe the Storm in round two, haven't really looked like losing a game. And just so many players just oozing confidence at the moment. Oh, it's just phenomenal. And you look at the combinations, you look at Cleary and Jerome Luai. I mean, oh, Freddie's almost, I reckon, I mean, he gives nothing away when it comes to State of Origin, but I feel like the last two or three weeks, he's basically told us that he will be in the State of Origin side. I wouldn't be surprised if he just calls up Penrith in its entirety (laughs) to play for the Blues because they are just such a well-oiled unit. They are phenomenal, as you said. You know, eight in a row. I think the first team since Melbourne Storm to have that kind of start. The Melbourne Storm did it in 2012. It, it is incredible. And you look at, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm soft. So I, I feel for people when they're struggling. And I look at Ivan Cleary when he, he first came to the club and he obviously was let go from the club, then came back and they struggled. They had a few off-field issues that certainly didn't help. But I just love seeing people who've worked really hard and who are genuinely good people do well. And, and Ivan Cleary is that person. So all over the park, they're just, they're phenomenal. They, they mm. just play with so much confidence. You know, last year did them such a world of good to go to a grand final and to lose is, is there's no greater driving force in rugby league. And, and I, I, I'd hope that was the case for the Raiders <laughs> last year, but yeah. it didn't quite turn out to be, but I think, you, you know, you mentioned before you got to stay fit, you got to stay injury free. That is the absolute key, but I, I can't see almost, you know, uh, may, maybe the, even the Roosters, you know, even if they get a couple of players back, I, I just can't see them matching the likes of this Penrith team if they stay fit and they stay confident. The Melbourne Storm potentially would be the only team and that would be what a repeater last year. So yeah. they're just, they're phenomenal and they deserve a lot of credit for what they're doing. And same as last year, we spoke so often every week, we'd say, 
they just look like they're having a bloody ball. They're Don't just they? having so much fun. You're almost jealous. You watch them and you just go, you know, you look at some other teams and they're playing under pressure and and players look almost like they've got the weight weight of the world on their shoulders, which which they do, and you can understand why. But Penrith just is having a ball. And, you know, people are saying, oh, they're getting arrogant, they're this or that. But you need an element of that when you're playing elite sport. You, you need to back yourself almost to the point of borderline arrogance. If you want to go out there and win every week, you've got to believe you're better than everyone else. And they do at the moment. And that's invaluable. You have to be confident. I think, you know, the, the blokes that are getting accused of being arrogant as just some of the most respectful and humble young men yes. in the game. I saw, um, I've, you know, I interviewed plenty of times this year, the likes of Brian To'o and Stephen Crichton and Jerome Luai, just a, a humble young father doing his best. And seeing the three of them walk off the field after 80 minutes the other week and suddenly bust into three-part harmonies doing voice to men. I just, they're, just, they're enjoying each other's company. They're, they're having a blast. And I mean, unless you really have some kind of set against Penrith, it's just a yes. pleasure to watch. It is, and, and absolutely right, and that's it. Unless you, you particularly dislike them for, for some reason, you've got to appreciate and enjoy the brand of footy they're playing because our game is entertainment and they are the greatest entertainers at the moment. It's just incredible to watch. What about the Sea Eagles? They've been turbocharged the last three weeks since their superstar fullback yeah. came back. Three wins on the bounce. They were within a converted try of Penrith with a couple of minutes to go in this one. So uh, a, a huge turnaround from how they got smashed at Lotto Land just a, a month earlier by the same team. So certainly some improvement, but I don't think uh, Des Hauser was still too impressed with this one. No, he certainly wasn't. I watched his press conference this morning, actually, after that. And he, I mean, he, he's never kind of jumping out of his skin, Des Hasler. So let's be honest, he's, he's, you know, maybe two notches below Wayne Bennett when it comes to that kind of mentality. But he, um, look, he didn't also look dejected. He, he kind of, he, the point that he made that I found really interesting, he said the things that we're not doing well and the things that we're struggling with are the easiest things in the game to fix. So he's obviously got a lot of confidence that he can bring out the best in those players and he can fix, you know, the, the things that are going wrong. But, I mean, any team that's got the likes of the Trebojevic's, it's, it's got a daily Cherry Evans in the halves, you know, that they've got a very, very good team that is capable of, of doing a lot of good things. Um, I, I just think, you know, injuries will hurt and they'll always hurt. And, and not every team is like the Melbourne Storm in that they can lose a player and have someone else come in that's bloody brilliant and slots straight in and can do their job. That is that is an anomaly, what the Melbourne Storm can do. Not other, yeah. not every other team has that luxury. And Manly certainly don't when it comes to depth. But I certainly wouldn't write them off. And you're exactly right, you know. Des was, you know, that team was still very much in it. And Ivan Cleary spoke after the match about his disappointment that Manly, he said Manly just would not go away and they were still very much in it. And he was disappointed with, the, you know, the fact that Penrith allowed them to be in that match for the entire game. So if you're a Manly fan, you certainly wouldn't be, you know, throwing your membership away at this stage. I think they've still got a lot to offer. And what are we, round eight? There's still a long way to go. Absolutely, yeah. It's just probably a bit of a hiccup for the Sea Eagles. The second Friday game, the Channel 9 game, I'm prepared to say for the second week running, the Titans involved in the most entertaining game of the round. Mm. Uh, certainly plenty of highlight reel moments in, in their last two games. Um, but this, this one against Brisbane, absolutely wacky. Up 22-0 in the space of about 15 <laughs> minutes. And then one-way traffic back the other way. And the Broncos, who've been beaten from uh, pillar to post over the last year and a half, suddenly look like world beaters. It's a roller coaster. I tell you what, I watch all the, the Suncorp games. So I do kind of the pre-match, which is, you know, your half an hour, 40 minutes before the game. And then I go up to the the kind of studio area and watch. And Darren Lockyer is always up there watching with me. And Brad Fittler was watching with us actually um, on Friday night as well. But he's normally on sideline, but he wasn't. 
but it's whenever I'm up there and the Broncos aren't doing well, Lockie, he just, he does not change his face. He's just straight the whole time. He shows no emotion whatsoever. But I tell you what, he had like the left one millimetre of his <laughs> mouth did turn upwards <laughs> towards the end of the second half. Because <laughs> yeah. even, you know, the first game, it was round one, we were up at Suncorp. And I, you know, halftime, the Broncos had an incredible lead. And I was saying to him, you must be so pumped. And he's going, uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> and they ended up losing. So even, you know, even when it looks like there's no other option but for them to win, he still won't allow himself to get excited. But I, I was so stoked for them. I thought, you know, they, they really deserve that. The Titans are just, I mean, they're such a good team on paper. For feeders, just you don't have enough time to talk about how good he is, how phenomenal he is. But that comeback and Tyson Gamble, what they need, and Kevin Walters spoke about it before the match. He spoke about the fact that he needed someone in the halves that would talk loudly, that would communicate, that would take control. And Tyson did that. And and that was a great sign for them. I thought Milford was really good as well. I don't understand, you know, uh, I asked Milford after the game, how do you stay resilient? How do you stay positive? How do you, you know, he, he gets smashed all the time by the media. He gets dropped to reserve grade. I mean, I'm someone who works in the public eye and, and there are things written about me that aren't flattering all the time and it, it, it impacts you and it impacts your performance. And his answer was, was really incredible. He said that, you know, he keeps his circle tight. He doesn't, he never questions his worth or his value and he just backs himself. And it was, you know, I was really happy for him to be part of what was a, a pretty good performance to beat a Pangai Jr. I thought, yeah, it was just amazing to go from 22-0 down against a team who, well, mind you, they, they had a similar capitulation what, very recently, just mm. last week as well. But I just, yeah, it was a great game, a lot of tries and just really entertaining to watch. Yeah, I quite enjoyed Milford on the panel post-game. Didn't he say something as well about when he's changing nappies or whatever? Like he's just at home, he's yeah, <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> and to that's stay. it. And you know what? That's what you need. If you've got the ability, and I'm, I'm learning this as I get older, if you can, you know, you don't ever not want to take your job seriously. And, and it's, you know, you live and die by the sword and it's high pressure. And we make a choice to be in these industries that are high pressure and you get paid handsomely for it. But if you've got the ability to switch your mind off once you leave, to not think about it, and he said that he doesn't think about football once he leaves and goes home, then that's an incredible skill. And it's almost a survival skill. And, and you need that to be able to perform at that level week in, week out regardless of the adversity and what's going on around you so yeah as a, as a mother of a two-year-old I can tell you changing nappies is um <laughs> character building and also you can't focus on anything else because accidents can happen so you need to be fully focused on that task at hand I'll, let I'll me tell you on board. um you mentioned Tyson <laughs> Gamble um I think like I've been quite critical of Kevy just constantly changing the halves every week so I don't think it lets anyone build Four any confidence or... in eight weeks. I know right yep. but then what I did like about Tyson Gamble in his first game of the year he was just a real sort of angry ant a talker like you said he was fired up he was celebrating every little moment and maybe that's the sort of passion and fire that they they've been lacking so maybe he's the uh, the answer moving forward well it's really interesting you say what you said earlier about the fact that you've been a little bit critical and because I, I felt exactly the same and I said to Jonathan Thurston during a commercial break right before we spoke about this halves pairing and I said to him how, how is a player supposed to have confidence and, and how, you know, if you think you're going to get dropped the second you do something wrong, as I said, four halves pairing in eight weeks, you're never going to get the best out of people if people are so nervous about not getting it right and being dropped. But JT said, no, no, it keeps them accountable. And he was the complete opposite. And he said, no, no, this is what you need to do, which was a really interesting insight. I think, Tyson, I think that, you know, I think what's the average? They each get, you know, a couple of weeks to prove themselves. But I think, 
I think he will be there for a while to come. And I don't know if you saw the shots of him in the locker room afterwards, but <laughs> we made we made the point on the panel that, you know, I think Kevy said he'll definitely be there next week, but uh, I don't know if he's still on Caxton Street now, but he looked like he was in the mood to have a big celebration and deservedly yeah. so. I don't know. I mean, on Kevy, uh, just because he says he's there next week, I think the other week he said yeah. that was Milford's best game and then dropped him. <laughs> yeah. And then after he dropped him, he said he's yeah. in reserve grade for a month and he was in reserve grade for two weeks, then he's back. Yeah. So it seems to change his well, mind. Well, and Corey Oates made the point as well about um, Walters this morning on the Sunday Footy Show saying that, you know, he's sick of being Mr. Nice Guy. So now he's trying to be Mr. Not Nice Guy. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I honestly, why you would coach ever just baffles me. But, you know... Good luck to them all. It would be, I think my industry is brutal. I think coaching is that tenfold. Oh, I'm closer to making it as a rugby league player than I am to making it as a rugby league coach. coach. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know no. how they do it, which is and neither <laughs> the first one's not happening either, I'll tell you. Um, the yeah. earlier Friday game, I know you might have struggled to see much of this with your uh, nine mm. commitments, but the Storm, 40 points to 14 winners over the Sharks. Bit of a grind for most of the first half, but then the Storm as yeah. they blew them away in the second oh. I watched the highlights of it and then I watched the the post-match press conference from both of the coaches. And I, I must say, I loved Craig Bellamy's post-match press conference. He um he said that he gave, you know, I think the, an all-time halftime spray. I think that only had the one try in the first half. And he said that he went down and he said, it's not as potent as it used to be because he's, you know, he's getting old. But he said, oh, I loved when he said, I don't know if they needed to hear it, but I needed to say it. And I just yeah, you do what makes you happy. <laughs> Craig, you've earned the right. Don't worry if it's not best for the team. But I tell you what, it was best for the team. They went on to score seven tries. And, you know, with, he actually, the other point that he made that was really fascinating, he spoke about the fact that he said, I don't like to say this and I don't want to say this, but it felt to me like there was a bit of complacency. And that's almost, you know, the, 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 the opposite of what the storm stands for. And, you know, these coaches are smart. They don't say anything in the media or publicly that they they don't mean and that they don't expect to potentially get a bit of traction that their players might hear. But the fact that he said he thought there was a little bit of complacency in that game, I thought was quite telling as well. That's a little bit of a kick up the ass for, for his storm players. So yeah, I mean, it was a, you look on paper and you, you look at the points and it was a very comprehensive win, but uh, that first half certainly wasn't the storm's best performance. And obviously without, you know, one of their superstars too. Well, yeah, Pappenhausen not too far from returning. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot said about him already this weekend and, and last week. But Jerome Hughes has gone from a bits and pieces makeshift back up mm-hmm. fullback to a premiership winning halfback and now probably the form halfback in the, the competition. Ah. Phenomenal his last two years. It's incredible. And this is, you know, the point I was making earlier about other teams not having the luxury. And when I say luxury, I'm not saying that's down to luck. That's down to a system that is so well thought yeah. out that, that is based purely on forward planning and, and backup options and, and just investing in incredibly talented youth and then bringing them into a system that has this incredible ability to make average or just above average players superstars. And that's in Melbourne Storm. And he's just, he's phenomenal, you know, and same as look at, you know, um, Cam Smith retires and Harry Grant goes in yeah. and Smith goes in and you just go, it's actually unfair. It's cruel, you know, and he's just an exa- another example of a player that has gone into a system that just instills this incredible level of belief in its players that you just get the best out of them all the time. And he is, he's a superstar. It's been incredible to watch. It really has to go from, you know, someone who was a little bit inconsistent and, and probably a little bit unsure of his place and, and used, you know, intermittently to, to being, as you said, one of the form halfbacks in the competition. It's been amazing. 
Yeah, you're right about their their success with planning. I think quite often in, in certainly the less successful clubs is a tendency to just try and win this year or get the best players now and everyone's yes. sort of trying to save their jobs. Whereas the Storm certainly and, and the Roosters clubs like that are not just planning for this year, but they're planning for five, 10, 15 years down the track with their juniors and their depth and their systems. Absolutely. And you get that. You understand with the pressure, you know, why coaches coach, you know, to have success immediately because their jobs are on the line. But when you are a Craig Bellamy or a Trent Robinson, you know that you're secure. You know, you've got that security. It's part, you know, there's no element of, oh, is my job, you know, not secure because it is. So they can afford to put a lot of forward planning in in and, and they reap the rewards of it and they're doing exactly that now. Even the Roosters, you look at their injury trial, they should not be winning any matches given mm. six or seven, you know, superstar players that are out in key positions. How they are winning is just incredible. What about the Sharks before we move on? They've sacked their coach, mm. their halfbacks leaving next year. Is this year a write-off? Oh, I suspect so, to be entirely honest with you, but... You look at their roster and, it's it, again, it's superstar-laden. You know, they've got a lot of yeah. players there that, that have played at the top level, that have played for State of Origin, that have played for the Kangaroos. But I haven't seen any improvement in them since the sacking of John Morris, and that's no disrespect to Hane. But, I, I see, my thoughts would be that you got to bring Fitzy in. You know, I kind of I, – I just think I, – I find it almost untenable that he remains at the Roosters, and that's mm. no – questioning at all as to his character I mean he is such a noble honest incredible person but I think Hannay mentioned a little bit earlier a couple of weeks ago that that Fitzy was making decisions he was in constant communication with him I think you bring him in now you know I genuinely think you bring him in now he, he doesn't need to feel the kind of pressure that, that you might think because he's got an excuse he's coming into a, a roster that he has inherited with play a lot of players that are off contract and you know, no one would expect him to do well with that this year. So I can get him in and see how they go because I just don't see them having any success, you know, really this year otherwise. And, and that's disappointing. And, and Gal said in our panel this morning, he said, you know, they can use a coach as an excuse, but that's weak. But, you know, where, where they get that strength from and that fight from, I don't know, because it's not there now. It's a wrap on Fitzgibbon's character that the Roosters, if they thought he was not giving them his all or he was making decisions oh. based around the Sharks rather than the Roosters, they, they'd boot him out the door straight away. So the fact they still we, want him to stay, they obviously have enormous levels of faith absolutely. and trust in his character. And it obviously, you're, you're exactly right, it is testament to his character and obviously means that he can absolutely separate the two. But if I was the Sharks, I'd be doing everything I could to try and get him over. And it's similar to Cooper Cronk. You know, he was on on Fox having this debate, I think, with Phil Rothfield. I think it was Phil Rothfield in regards to, you know, the dual roles that he held both at Melbourne Storm and the Roosters. And he said, you know, when he was asked about a conflict of interest, he said, you know, that that's, you know, looking at my character and that's questioning my character. And, and I understand where he's coming from, but I, I think his character is is incredible. But I just, uh, it's hard to understand how you can give 100% to both, but obviously some people can. And we can't, um, I guess we've saved the best till last year, Raiders. No, Tell me what's no. going on. Tell me what's oh, going on in the God. nation's capital. Uh, you know what? I keep thinking like when we made the grand final and I, I, I thought to myself, I reckon we might have two years of this premiership window, as they call it, mm. to do something. And, yeah, it's tough. But, I mean, when you lose George Williams in the warm-up, you know, when you've been without, you know, Charles Nickel clock sub, when you – it's hard when you're without, you know, you're Hodgson, with Hodgson. It, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard. But – as I said, look at the Roosters. There's a lot of teams doing it tough with injuries that still manage to find a way to win. Look, it's been a, it's been a rough month, but Ricky Stewart, he's already, he's proven how good he is as a coach. He, he knows how to get the best out of his players. 
I asked the guys this question on the panel and I said, are they cooked? And, you know, I think a, a couple of them said yes. I think Peter Sterling was, was the only one that was really quite resolute when he said, no, they're not. Um, look, they're against the South Sydney side who's very good. Yes, they were without Latrell Mitchell, who, who's out suspended for four weeks. But, um, yeah, it's tough. I don't know what's going on there. You know, it's um, you've you got to be able to bring people in who will do the job. And at the moment, that's just not happening for Canberra. And, and look, there were some some controversial decisions. The Jack White no tries that, that Ricky Stewart was obviously pretty filthy with. But, I mean, when push comes to shove, you can't rely on on those kind of things. If, if you you got to get the job done and and then argue about those things once you won. And, and that's just not happening at the moment. So it's, yeah, tough going, I think, for Raiders fans at the moment. But you know what? It's round eight. You can turn around. When you talk about, you mentioned Bellima before, when he says something in the press or he's not just saying it for the sake of saying it, I think Ricky's a bit the mm. same. I think that might have been like, Absolutely. I pretty clear-cut obstructions, to be honest. I think that's more taking the heat off the players or you know, whenever he has a ref round, it's because he feels like they're not getting the rub of the green. He's hoping to to sort of plant a few little seeds. They might get a few more six-agains or whatever it is the, the following week. So I feel like that's probably more the, the strategy than anything when Ricky's mentioning uh, the decisions in a press conference. He- He's a very smart man. Absolutely, he's a smart man. He also said, "I don't, I don't give a beep if um, people call me a whinger." <laughs> and look, he, he's incredibly smart, and you're exactly right. And I, I wouldn't doubt that for a second. So, look, I, I also, I understand where he's coming from as well in terms of his frustration with it. And I think you know, consistency is is the one thing people ask for. But when there's human beings involved in decisions, you are never going to get 100% consistency. It's impossible because human beings are human beings. So, it's a tough one. But when you feel like you're not getting the rub of the green consistently, I can understand that, that you know, it would evoke emotion in you. Quickly, South to finish. You mentioned Latrell out at the moment. Looks like they're going to be without Adam Reynolds, Cam Murray um, mm. for a, a short period, not the whole season, obviously, but are starting to get a, a few injuries. One of the teams that a lot of us have sort of tipped as a, a real deal threat to, to be there at the end of the year. As long as they get all those players back, I guess this doesn't sort of change too much, but they're going to do it tough for the next couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely. And and I think, you know, you look at a lot of the teams that have gone on to win premierships, they go through periods and it, it, not so much last year with COVID, but before that, particularly during State of Origins, where they lose, you know, a lot of their good players for, for you know, two or three weeks on end and that kind of thing. They manage to win games, which then gives them so much confidence. The other players that, that you know, that, that had to fill in and had to lift end up being better players for the absence of their superstars. And once their superstars come back, they go to a whole new level and and that I think could definitely happen with Souths. And yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think they're a real, real chance this year. I think they're building nicely and Damien Cook, I think there was a little bit of criticism of him early on, but he's certainly found his form and, you know, Cody Walker and the whole lot of them, Latrell Mitchell, when they're fit, when they're firing, I think, you know, I, I talked about the Storm and Penrith being there at the end. I think South Sydney could definitely be there as well. Well, Erin, uh, I know you've got uh, Brecky Radio in the morning, so I won't keep you any longer. Massively <laughs> appreciate your time and insights on the Sunday session on NRL.com. Thank you so much for being here. Absolute pleasure. Great to be here. And, and please tell tell our good friend that I was totally joking. He's the fastest career, <laughs> Kenny, of <laughs> <laughs> I will let him know. <laughs> okay, take care. Thank you.